23. This also is the word of the Lord. Now great crowds accompanied him, that's Jesus, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. What king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So, therefore... Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Let's pray. Father, we come trusting that what we have heard just now, they are words from you. And because they are words from you, they are words of life. They are powerful words. They are words that express a goodness and a wisdom uh, that is beyond us. And so, as we come to words that are difficult, hard to hear in some ways, we desire to come with humility so that we can listen with open minds, open hearts, and open lives, ready to receive your word and be changed by it. That is the work of your Spirit. And so we ask for it, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the challenges of these ten words of God to us in the Ten Commandments, in Exodus chapter 20, one of the challenges of these words is that they are often simple in statement, but complicated in application. Honor your father and mother. That's simple enough, right? Well, not so much. What about when parents are less than honorable? What about the inevitable flaws and failures of every parent? What about the wounds of abuse or neglect? What about those painful words that may have been spoken a long time ago but still echo in your life with shame and guilt and fear? What about the changing nature of our relationship with our parents throughout our lives? How do you honor your parents when when you're a college student and and you're kind of halfway in between stages and you're still sort of dependent on your parents, but you're also in some ways on your own? You're maybe at home part of the time, but then here in Tallahassee part of the time, how do you honor your parents then? What about when you're all the way on your own? You have a job and a mortgage and maybe you're a parent yourself. How do you honor your parents then? 
And then if those complications weren't bad enough, Jesus makes it worse. On top of all of that complication, he adds these words here in Luke chapter 14 and says, if you're going to be a Christian disciple, if you're going to follow Jesus, you must hate your parents. How do we we hate and honor at the same time? Those two things fit together. Pretty sure that no one would deny that the parental relationship between parent and child is a very, very significant relationship. And I think that that no one could deny that that relationship can get complicated. Can it? Isn't that your experience? So, what do we do with this commandment? How do we honor our father and our mother? Well, as we look at these passages uh, from the Bible this morning, I think we'll find two ways. I think we can find two ways to honor our parents. We can honor our parents by understanding the purpose of honor and by embracing the possibility of honor. So first of all, the purpose of honor. We always need to remember that these Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20 come in the context of story. They come in the context of the story of Exodus, the story of the Old Testament, and the broader story of the Bible. And so these words from God come to His people while they are on their way from slavery to an inheritance. This abundant, flourishing land that He had promised to their ancestors. And parents were supposed to play an integral role in that movement from slavery to inheritance. Because their job was to tell the stories. To tell the stories of what God had done in the past on behalf of His people. To rescue and free His people. And then also, not only to tell the stories, but to communicate God's expectations for how his people should live in the present and in the future. You see, in God's intentions, parents were supposed to perpetuate faithfulness so that this inheritance could pass from one generation uninterrupted to the next, to the next, to the next. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God has given you. That does not mean whoever obeys this command gets a long life. That means that this is God's system for preserving a faithful people who do not come under God's judgment and therefore lose the inheritance that He has given them. You see, Freud wasn't the first person to figure out that the parental relationship is the most formative relationship in our lives. God made it that way, and then He engages that relationship in His mission to form a people who love Him, who worship Him, who obey Him. And honor is what makes that system work. It helps, its purpose is to help that system work. 
Because to honor means to give weight. It means to treat someone with a significance that matches their position, their role. So, not long ago, I heard my youngest son, who's two and a half years old, I heard him call his mom, babe. <laughs> he said, hey babe, how you doing? <laughs> now, now, he's imitating what he's heard, and that's cute and funny the first time. But we all understand that can't continue, right? Because that doesn't match the significance of his mother's role in his life. That doesn't fit her role towards him. In the fifth commandment, God says, this is my system for communicating my character and will. It is to come through parents. And because of God's system, we are to honor the role, respect the role that God has given to our father and mother. Not because of the person in the role, but because of the person who created the role. So, see, the fifth commandment is training for the first commandment. The ultimate purpose of honor your parents is that God would be honored. And because of that, the first commandment also limits the fifth commandment. In other words, when honor for God and honor for parents come into competition, honor for God wins. Which is why Jesus tells us to hate our parents. As God in the flesh, Jesus is saying when family and discipleship come into competition, discipleship wins. Your highest loyalty, your highest allegiance, if you're going to follow Jesus, must be given to Jesus. But that doesn't dismiss the fifth commandment. It just puts it in its place. It just makes sure that we get the order right. And elsewhere in the New Testament... It makes very clear, including in things that Jesus says, words that Jesus says, it makes very clear that this commandment still speaks to us. God still expects us to respect the role of our mother and father. Not because of the quality of their performance, but because of the quality of His design. His system for the purpose of His honor. Now, what are some practical ways that we can do that? I can't speak to every nuance of this, and and it does, as I said earlier, it does get complicated, but let me give you two general categories of how we honor our parents. The first category is obedience. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, takes the fifth commandment, applies it to young children still in the home, and uses the word obey. You honor your parents by doing what they tell you to do. As long as your parents 
are telling you to do things that are not in direct opposition to God's will, you should obey. You should submit. And you should submit willingly and joyfully. Now, I, I need to make something very clear at this point. The message of obedience to children in no way allows for or excuses abuse. And if abuse exists, it should be confronted and dealt with both by the church and the legal authority of the state. Okay? But outside of situations of abuse, God's expectation continues to be, if you're young and in the home, you are to honor your parents by submitting to them, by obeying them. But as we age, that changes. Obedience changes. It morphs into a second category that I'm going to call value. So as we grow older, we are no longer obligated to obey every instruction of our parents to us. But we should continue to relate to them in a way that communicates their value because of the role that God has given to them. So things like spending time with our parents. Things like expressing gratitude to them. And Scripture makes it very clear that as our parents age... We should care for them, support them, provide for them. Those are ways that we continue to honor our parents when obedience is no longer in the picture. And all of that for the purpose of honoring God. All of that not because of the quality of the performance of our parents, but because of the wisdom of God's design for the family. But still, (laughs) what about all those complications I mentioned earlier? This is very difficult to do for most of us, probably all of us. There's, There's the reality of sin on both sides of the relationship. Parents and children. And so we we need not only to understand the purpose of honor, but we also need to embrace the possibility of honor because doesn't it feel, feel impossible? The possibility of honor. And as strange as it may seem, I think the possibility of honoring our parents is found in what Jesus has to say about hating. Because the implications of Jesus' message, it's not only that we should give our highest loyalty to Him, it is also that we should find our deepest identity in Him. You see, we are all born with a primal, deep desire to be loved, to be treasured, to be protected. To belong. And where is the first place that we go with that desire? We go to our parents. That's why that relationship is so powerful 
and can also be so painful. Because even the best parents cannot satisfy that hunger. Your need to be loved, your need to be long, to, to belong cannot be met even by the greatest parents in the world. So when Jesus tells us to renounce all things, he's not dismissing that desire. He is saying, bring that desire to me. Find in me your deepest belonging. See in me God meeting your need to be loved and treasured. It's why surrounding these strong statements about discipleship in Luke 14, Jesus tells a bunch of stories. And they're all stories about hospitality. Earlier in chapter 14, he tells a story about a king who throws a party. And the people who end up at that party are all the people who should have been excluded by cultural standards. It's the people who are unworthy who are welcomed at the king's table. And then in chapter 15, Jesus goes on to tell a series of stories about more parties. And they are parties thrown in response to lost things being found. And the last story is a very famous one about a father and two sons. And the, young, the youngest son flagrantly breaks the fifth commandment. He dishonors and betrays his father in a profoundly painful way. He runs away and comes to the end of himself in a far country, and then he comes home. And what does he find? Rejection? No, he finds a father who extravagantly welcomes him, who richly says to him, you are, you belong. You are treasured. We are restored. Honor for our parents is possible only when we experience God as the Father who extravagantly welcomes us through His Son Jesus. As we come to know the perfect love of God for us as our Father through Jesus, then we are gradually, gradually freed to honor and love our imperfect parents. So that the ultimate gospel maturity of response to the fifth commandment is not only obedience and value, it's forgiveness. You'll be able to honor your parents fully only when forgiveness becomes a part of that relationship. Now, not, not quick, easy pseudo-forgiveness. 
Okay? Honor is not opposed to honesty. But the forgiveness that is the long and difficult work of naming wrongs, grieving pain, and then choosing to absorb the relational cost of those wrongs and pain. To release that other person from their debt. Not because they deserve it, but because God has released us from our debt. That's how you'll be able to honor your parents. That's how you'll be able to love in any relationship. Out of the depth of God's forgiveness and welcome to you, then reflecting that forgiveness and welcome to others. This week, the literary world was all abuzz because of the release of the long, long-awaited second novel of Harper Lee. Go set a watchman. Many, many of you, probably most of you, whether by, by choice or by force, ha- have read her first novel, the, the classic To Kill a Mockingbird. A story told from the perspective of, of a young girl nicknamed Scout, and it features her father, the heroic lawyer Atticus Finch. Well, now in this second novel, Scout is grown up, and she returns home to Alabama. And she is disillusioned because she returns home to find the heroic image of her father shattered. And she finds not this heroic lawyer, but a cynical, embittered, and blatantly racist old man. You know, I don't think Ghost at a Watchman is going to be read as widely as To Kill a Mockingbird. But doesn't it resonate with the truth that makes the fifth commandment so difficult and complicated? We long for our parents to be heroes, but they're not. They're flawed. And they are sometimes dishonorable. And I say that about myself as a parent. But still God's voice in the midst of all that complication and difficulty says to us, honor them. The comfort and hope as we hear that is that the one who says it to us gave His Son so that we could be forgiven. So that He could reach out and embrace and welcome and treasure us as His children. Let's pray.